0: Good morning everybody. Welcome to GBC. Thank you guys for leading us today. Um, so so fun to sing songs and I, I just love the doxology. I said that in the first service but I love the doxology and I love to hear the congregation sing the doxology. Um, at the risk of re-preaching Daniel's announcement this morning I'd like to reiterate that our special offering is coming up. I think it's two Sundays from this. It's, yeah. And, um, and and just to add on to what he said, and he knew that I was going to do this. Um, <clears throat> the special offering for, for 19 years or 18 years has, has been something that God has used, really worked through the, the faithful partners and regular attenders at GBC to, to help us, you know, Get first the place on 14th street and then to build this place and eventually we're going to add on to the building over there going to our south to to add more children's ministry space because we we really need it and and maybe a little bit of office space tacked on with that building so that it's not coming immediately but it's it's coming at some point so just want you to know that 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 offering is going to something and and we would like y'all not just to give some money to that offering. We'd like you to pray, genuinely pray about what a, a gift would be that would be joyful and, and sacrificial. We we've historically said we'd like to start your prayer. We'd like you to start your prayer at the equivalent of one week sacrifice or one week salary, just because that's like something that gets us toward equal sacrifice. Some of you can give more, and you should. Some of you can't, and and that's fine. Like we don't what we want it to be is a prayerful endeavor. And so it's coming up in two weeks. Just know that that's the case and special offering, and hopefully eventually we'll, we'll add some children's ministry space. Let me pray, and we'll turn our attention to 1 Corinthians 12. Lord, uh, we love you so much. We are really grateful for all the truths that we get to know about you from scripture. And, and God. I pray that we would not take your word for granted. I pray that we would not take your gospel for granted. I pray that we wouldn't take your inclusion of us in your kingdom's purposes for granted. And so God, help us today to understand better uh, how we fit in the body of Christ, what role we play in the body of Christ. I I pray that this would be a delightful time. I pray that you would give us uh, good boundaries and a motivation for participation in the body of Christ. What a privilege. And so help us in all of this. I pray that your spirit would work mightily through your word, and I pray that we would live out our conviction. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this past week, I was in Oregon, and I don't know how many of you have been to Oregon, but but Oregon is crazy beautiful. And we, I was having a reunion. We were playing some golf with, with some friends from Mammoth Lakes, California, which is where I was a pastor prior to planting Grace Bible Church. And I, it, was, it was so fun. One of the nights that we were there, after we played some golf, we went to a neighboring town, it was about 20 miles away, to a pizza joint named Denny's. Really cool place. You should go sometime. It's not really pertinent to the sermon, though. What is pertinent is on the 20-mile drive to the restaurant Denny's, the great pizza place Denny's. Like it's an amazing road, and and what's amazing about it, well, I'll, I'll tell you this first. Y'all are familiar with rumble strips, right? Rumble strips are those those that graded part of the road that's kind of the boundary of the right lane going to the shoulder. And and so if if you're driving along in Texas and and you start dozing off or you're looking at your phone, which you shouldn't be doing, uh, and you you start going off to the right, instead of going all the way off the shoulder and careening and rolling your car or something, you'll hit the rumble strips. And that's that part of the pavement that goes like that. And you're like, oh, and you come back onto the road. They're on the right side. In Texas and, and well they should be They're they're wonderful I'm, I'm pro pro rumble strips I really am here's what's crazy about Oregon they have like Texas rumble strips on the right side on a two-lane road they have rumble strips in the middle so the, the yellow line that separates the lane from oncoming traffic there's a rumble strip all the way through there here's what you need to understand In Oregon, that is essential because these roads, I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, the flora and fauna, spectacular. But there are logging trucks that are carrying monster trees cruising around at breakneck speed all over these winding roads. And so you got tourists looking around going, this is beautiful. You got logging trucks going Mach 5, down these roads, like if you veer just a little bit into oncoming traffic, you're dead. I mean, I'm so glad there are rumble strips. We were basically driving by Braille the whole time. It was like, it probably is the reason I'm here today. So here's why I tell you all that. Our passage today is like those rumble strips. You're going to see a couple of rumble strips everywhere. The, the road that we're going to be on is beautiful. It, it really is. The next three chapters are all on spiritual gifts. I avoided the book of 1 Corinthians because of these next three chapters. Like, I, They're dangerous. And I was like, I'm scared. So for 19 years, I avoided this. Now that I've gotten into it, I'm like, oh, no, it's actually beautiful. I was an idiot. I repent. But there is still some danger. And so what Paul's going to do in our chapter today is he's going to give us rumble strips. It's going to be hard to get to, but we're going to wade through it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Here we see it. Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts. I don't love that translation. I'm going to stop right there. I would rather it say, now concerning things of the spirit, now concerning spiritual things, something more general It doesn't say gifts in the Greek. I think this is starting very general. Now concerning things of the spirit, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, are you like me? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, I, I read this for like three days in Oregon in the wee morning hours of the day, and I was like, I don't get this. I translated it, I retranslated This text is a little bit hard to follow, and it, it makes you painfully aware that we are reading other people's mail. The, the Corinthians had written Paul a letter. They've asked some questions. Paul is responding I think he is referencing something they said in a letter that the Corinthians wrote that we are not privy to. I I don't totally get it. Here's here's what I do get. Before the Corinthians became Christians, they were pagans. And and when they were pagans, they would chase after mute idols. So idols that could not speak, mute idols and and a variety of different idols. Okay? So so they were They were pagans, and they were into all sorts of different religions, and they they were chasing after things left and right. And and in their pagan pursuits, they they had great passion, and they even had some ecstatic expressions. So they would work themselves into a frenzy. And what Paul is ultimately saying here is, just because you had great passion, just because you had ecstatic expressions, that doesn't mean that any of it was true. And we know that because you're a Christian now. So so you had great passion, and you had experience, and you had ecstatic expression, and ultimately it betrayed you. That that did not indicate that it was true or real. You had great zeal. You did not have the correct direction. This golf trip that I just went on, I I did some reconnaissance on it, and so there there was a, a group of 12 guys from Grace Bible Church, who all went to this same place out in Oregon a couple of weeks ago. And so I, I, was, I was getting research on, on this, this trip, and, and so I, I called one of the guys, and I was like, hey, tell me about those guys who went. Like, what, what were their games like? And, and you know, there's different golfers. Some, some guys are short and straight. Some guys are, are long and maybe lack direction. John Amini, sitting here in the second row, he would be in the latter category. He can hit the ball a long way. Like people said, you can really hit the ball. And I applaud that. But it's like army golf, left, right, left, right. I mean, like you don't know where it's going. Okay, so like some would say that John Amini is all postage, no address. Okay, like he, he's, he's got plenty of stamp, you know, the thing can travel. You just don't know where it's going, right? Okay, so what you need to understand is the church in Corinth is the spiritual equivalent to John Amini's golf game. Okay? <laughs> then you get it. That, that's where you start to get it. They had all sorts of postage, but they had no address. They, they had chased after mute idols, and Paul's referring back to those days. Like, look, you are prone to ecstatic expression, but sometimes you don't have the right address. That's Ultimately, what he's saying. Now, he gets to verse three, and verse three is hard too. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Again, we're reading other people's mail. I'm not exactly sure what he's talking about here, but there are two principles that I think we're on safe ground just articulating that I I think are going to matter. The first is this the criteria for orthodoxy is the Lordship of Jesus. Let me say that again. The criteria for orthodoxy, like what is normal, what is right, is the lordship of Jesus. Like that we would follow Jesus as as our Lord. That, That his directive would be our commission. Okay, like we do what he says. That's orthodox. That's orthodox. Now the second principle here is that the work of the Spirit affirms the lordship of Jesus. Now, that might not seem like real revolutionary to you, but understand, these guys are all kind of new to to the idea of the Trinity. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about subordination, like that the Spirit is subordinate to the Son, and the Son is subordinate to the Father. That in no way, if you missed that sermon, means that the Spirit and the Son are inferior. They're not inferior. They're, They're homoousia, of the same essence. But nonetheless, within the Godhead, there's subordination, there's there's submission. And so the the Spirit serves the Son, the Son serves the Father, not because of inferiority, because that is actually God's glory and His design. And so that, that trickles to us, but ultimately what we're saying here, Paul is reaffirming the idea that the Spirit doesn't work contrary to the person of Jesus. He works in congruence with Jesus. And so there's never going to be a time then, and ultimately this is what Paul is saying, there's never going to be a time that that someone says, by the Spirit, something that Jesus wouldn't agree with. They're always going to be in lockstep. They're they're always going to be in harmony. There there is unity within the Godhead. Verses 4 through 6 is more of the same. Listen to this. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Again, we're just carrying on this theme of unity. There are varieties of gifts, service, and activities, but it's the same Spirit, it's the same Lord, who is Jesus, and it is the same God referencing the Father. So you've got this Trinitarian view in verses 4, 5, and 6, Spirit, Spirit jesus and father different roles but all working in the same church and in the same direction the father son and spirit are all at work in different ways but there's unity and and really what we're doing here is we're setting the table verses 7 now through 11 to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good As he wills. Okay, this is the rumble strips. This is what is going to keep us on the beautiful road. It's it's a wonderful road. We should travel it. But God in his kindness is giving us rumble strips. There's there's going to be four important points, four important rumble strips. Here's the first one from verse 7. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Each person who is a Christian... Not just because you're an American. Of course I'm a Christian. I'm an American. That's not the type of Christian we're talking about. Each person who is a Christian who would say and therefore live, Jesus is Lord. Each person who is a Christian has a spiritual gift. That's what verse 7 says. At least one. Some, some people have two or three. But everyone who is a Christian in this room has a spiritual gift. You were given that gift upon your conversion. The the word each in verse 7, again, verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. The word each is hekastos. It's a very common word in the Greek New Testament. It's used 86 times in the New Testament. It's the word that would, for us, be translated each and every. Okay, it, it, it's, it's talking about both individuality and totality. And, and we, that's kind of fancy, we, we just go, hey, each and every one of us needs to go do this. That's each individuality and every totality, all of us. So I'm talking to you as individuals, I'm also talking to you as a collective whole. Individuality and totality. That That's this word, Hekastos. Let me give you a couple of examples of where Hekastos is used just to drive this home. Matthew chapter 25. To one, he gave five talents. To another, two. To another, one talent. To each and every one, each of you, according to his abilities. Matthew 25. Luke chapter 2, verse 3. when When Joseph and Mary have to go to Joseph's hometown because there's a census. And it it says, and all, that's each and every, went to be registered. Each, and that's Hekostos again, each and every to his own town. So nobody was excused. Everyone went to their hometown for this census. And then verse Romans 14, verse 12. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. It's not some of us. That's each and every one of us, hekastos, will give an account before God. So so there's an emphasis both on individuality and the totality of the people spoken to. It's really kind of specific and sort of emphatic. Here's what verse 7 tells us. If you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. Like for for those of you who are like, oh, I just don't think I have anything to contribute to the church. You're calling God a liar. That's what you're doing. Like This isn't an argument you and I are having. This is an argument that you and God are having because he said, each and every one who is a Christian has a manifestation of the spirit. Like it's very clear, like stop it. Stop, stop saying, poor me, because you don't have this gift or that gift. You have a gift. God, in his goodness, gave you a gift. Now, now, the next question you might be asking is, well, so what? So I've got some sort of spiritual gift. To what end? I'm glad you asked. Verse 7 again. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. If you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. We've already covered that. It's given to you, not for your sake but for the sake of the common good. Now, this is going to be an incredibly important point. Your gift isn't given to you for your glory. It's given to you for God's glory, and God is glorified when you use it for the common good. Not for your good, for the for the church's good. Now, this is going to have all sorts of implications. The, the word for common good is sumphero. Sumphero, two Greek words mushed together, Sum. Comes from soon, it's, it's with or together. And Pharaoh is to bring. And, and so, soon Pharaoh literally means to bring together. It, it means in this case, and really in every case in the New, Greek New Testament, to bring together for the benefit of others. You've been given a gift that God has enabled you to use, not for your own self glory but for the benefit of others. That's what that text means. It's, it's very clear. There's, there's no debating that at all. Why, why did God give you a spiritual gift? Was it for your good? Nope. It was for the collective good. That, that's what the text is absolutely driving home. Whenever spiritual gifts then are used to magnify one individual over another, there, there is an abuse, there is an, a corruption of the design of spiritual gifts. Did, did you hear that? Like when a church exists to elevate one person's gifts and, and the church becomes about that one person and, and everyone else then is, is relegated to a place of passivity because it's all about this one gift or this one person's gift. The church is unhealthy. It, it doesn't work that way. That's, that's why this isn't West Church. That's why it's not Daniel's church. That's not why it's the pastoral staff church. That, that's why preaching, it's important. Sure, it, like that matters, but it doesn't matter as much as y'all think. And, it, and your role as you minister to one another, as you come together, as we gather as the saints of God, that matters so much more than we as Americans think because we're so consumeristic. And you want to live your spiritual life somehow by proxy and pastoral staff where you're like, oh, he did a great job. That's enough for me. And you end up being passive and you don't think about how can I come to minister to other people? How can I invest in other people? How can I disciple other people? You're like, oh, I just want to hear a good sermon. That's so cheap. That is not at all what God intends the the Corinthian church was in danger of falling into that very practice they they were a very gifted church and people were starting to use their gifts, their spectacular gifts at the expense of the congregation, creating divisions within the congregation instead of gifts being used to serve and to edify one another they were promoting self the church In Corinth, I promise would have had billboards. Like it, that's that's where this is going, and it's it's just not a great look. Whenever you come to church, you should come to church with designs to exercise your gifts for the edification of other people, unto God's glory, and certainly not for your own glory. Have I, by the way, ever told you how much I hate online church? Do you understand how this fits right into that? Like, how you can sit in your pajamas in bed and listen to a sermon and call that your participation in church? How have you used your spiritual gifts sitting in your pajamas? Have you ever thought about that? No, what you've thought is, I just want to get something for me. That's all you've thought. We can do better. look, I get fired up about this as I I think about where the church in America is going wrong. I I think we're doing pretty well here. I think there's a lot of people using their gifts and, and investing in other people and in discipling other people and seeing God work through them to grow other people up. And I think that's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. I want more of it. I really do. Like I, for the most part, we're crushing it. There are some consumers in this room. Knock it off. That's another way of saying repent. (laughs) Like stop it. God has given you gifts if you are redeemed. Use them to make disciples. Use them to encourage, to serve, to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Be part of the body of Christ. Don't just be some sort of bottom-sucking leech fish. Those kinds that like suck the algae off the Hey, if that's what you are, I mean, try to make that face. You you don't want to be that person. It's not attractive. I'm I'm not kidding. I mean, that's kind of funny, but it's not funny. Verses 8 through 11. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterances of wisdom, the utterance of wisdom, if you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. That's one of the rumble strips. If you're a Christian, you have spiritual gifts, and they're to be used for the sake of the common good. That's the second one. And now we've just read this about to one is given this gift, and to another 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 this gift, and, this gift and so on it goes. My, my dear wife, Mary, every once in a while, we'll, we'll have these family meetings that she calls, and and... It's really until recently, it's just been Annie Kate and Mary and I in these family meetings, and Annie Kate and I, from time to time, will get together afterwards and debrief the family <laughs> meetings. And, and there's always pearls of wisdom to take from Mary's family meetings. <laughs> it's really a different experience preaching this with her in the room. Uh, <laughs> can't look at her.) Uh, One of the things that often comes up, and and Annie Kate and I both noted in kindness, in kindness, is that Mary, in these family meetings from time to time, repeats herself. Like She'll say the same thing four, five, six times. And and you're like, just tell me what time it is. I don't even know how the watch is made. You know, like, and we, we rarely, and every once in a while I'll get to it, but we rarely get to the question, why do you think Mary repeats herself? so often in these family meetings? That's a really good question. We should ask that more. The, the answer is absolutely certain. The reason she repeats herself four and five times is because she does not believe that Annie Kate and I are listening to her. <laughs> it's true, and, and like all, all the girls are like, yeah. The 17-year-old has an excuse. Probably not the 54-year-old. But that's the reason. I bring this up because Paul uses the word another eight times in four verses. Why do you think he uses the word another so many times? There's actually two words that are used, translated another. One of them is hetero. The, The word hetero is one that would be familiar to you. I'm a heterosexual because I'm attracted to someone who's not like me. I'm a male, Mary's a female, we're married. I adore her. Hetero. It's a different one. It's not just another one. It's a different one. So to one is given this gift, to another a different one this gift, to another a different one this gift, to another, to another, to another. Eight times. What do you think Paul is so adamant that we would learn? What what do you think Paul is afraid that the Corinthians are not going to get so that he would repeat it eight different times to another, to another, to another? Nobody has all the gifts. That's the rumble strip. Nobody has all the gifts. Like, you need the body of Christ that that's his point you need because nobody has all the gifts you've got a gift you might have two gifts you don't have all the gifts there was only one guy who had all the gifts they crucified him we are the body of christ not as individuals we are the body of christ when we gather together then i've got this gift and you've got this gift and you've got this gift and we've all got these different gifts and we come together and we express all of the gifts and that's when we most look like jesus If you had all the gifts, you wouldn't need the body of Christ. If everyone else in the room had all the gifts, the body of Christ wouldn't need you. But neither of those is true, is it? Neither of those is true, and that's why you can't stay in your pajamas. Literally, that's why you have to be part of the body of Christ. Since neither of those are true, you get out of your pajamas, you put on clothes, And you come to church because we desperately need one another. That's the third rumble strip. The fourth one is this. It comes from the same passage. No one gift is given to everyone. No one gift. When it says to one is given this gift and to another this gift and to another this gift. And, And Paul's going all over the room. To another, to another, to another. Everyone isn't going to have one gift. I don't like a second baptism theology. You you might be going, I don't know what a second baptism theology is. Good. If you're curious, you can come up afterwards. A second baptism theology, in short, says that you can become a Christian and kind of limp along, and then at some point, there'll be a second baptism, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And depending on what flavor of second baptism theology you believe in, you'll either arrive at a state of perfection no. <laughs> or the manifestation of the indwelling Holy Spirit that came subsequent to conversion will be evidenced by you speaking in tongues. No. Because not everyone is going to speak in tongues. It's just not true. That, that's what the text is said. To one, this gift. But to another, this. Like we're going to have different gifts. Like right there. It's just a theology that is contrary scriptures. I don't buy it. I think it's dangerous on a number of fronts. We're not going to get into it any more than that right now. But I'll say this. Everyone's not going to have one gift and whatever gift you have won't be for your personal edification. It will be for the common good. Good rumble strips. Now I heard a rumor a nasty rumor, that Daniel was bellyaching the other day about me re-preaching his sermon. <laughs> I just needed to clean a few things up. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not true at all. Hey, yeah, I promise. I said it the other week. I'll say it again. It was a great sermon. There was no way for me to preach my passage without referring back to Daniel's sermon because my passage came from his passage. Now he he was giving me the business. He was giving me the and in the providence of God, he's preaching next week. I'm gonna get out ahead of this. I promise you, he's going to be re-preaching my sermon (laughs) next week. It's there is no way to preach that sermon without retreading my sermon. It's all together. For the next several weeks, we're gonna be talking back to the rumble strips, all kidding aside. This is three chapters on spiritual gifts. It's a beautiful road. There are some dangers. We are prone to wander. We need rumble strips. The road's worth driving. Don't don't avoid the road. It's gorgeous. But let's thank God that he gave us some principles to let us know when we're veering off that gorgeous road. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Thanks for telling us what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. Thanks for telling us that the the gifts that you've given us don't come from us, they come from you. They are empowered by your Holy Spirit, and they are designed to bring honor and glory to you and your Son. Father, I pray that we would understand our need of the body of Christ. I pray that we would participate in the body of Christ. I pray that we would receive ministry from the whole body of Christ, not just the guy giving a sermon. And Father, I pray that we would glorify you as a church as we live life together, as we spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I I pray that this sermon would give people proper agency, in their participation in your glorious work, which is the church. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.